0: Listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. I love all the balloons. Yeah, they're they're exciting, but uh, yeah, uh, pink or a uh, rose, as uh, some people like to call it. Uh, i 'm not sure why they want to call it rose, I think maybe because they they 're a little afraid for men to wear pink um, but in, in in more liturgical uh, churches, you know the Lutherans and the Methodists and Presbyterians and Episcopals and like, um, they have vestments like their ministers wear robes and stoles and in those in those types of churches um, to, twice a year, the minister would wear a pink or if you prefer, rose, uh, stole. And this is one of those two Sundays. So we don't, we, don't, um, we don't wear those things and we don't practice that church that way. But I did think I would kind of try and get in the mood, uh, which is what I've done today. So this is, this is the closest I have to, to pink or to rose. And so um, <clears throat> celebrating kind of with colors, I think is important. You know, we, we, we deck our halls with kind of red and green at Christmas time. Fourth of July, we really like to show kind of our national colors, right, with red, white, and blue. Uh, We do this with our kind of sports teams. Um, um, Whoever, you know, you might support in that regard, you kind of wear things of of that particular color. And maybe even more importantly to you, you avoid wearing the color of the other group, right? So you just, so for some reason, that just kind of detests you, you know, how that happens. So uh, why, why change the color? Well, you'll notice in the Advent wreath, uh, your other three candles are purple. Well, purple is supposed to represent royalty. And the birth of Jesus is the birth of a king. Not just the birth of the king of Israel, which is what they did expect, But the birth of the king of the world, which is what they didn't expect. Jesus comes and he fulfills, he exceeds their anticipation. So it's changed this one Sunday from the royal purple to the joyful pink. The other time that pink gets used in the church calendar is one of the Sundays of Lent. And Lent and Advent, they both have this kind of anticipatory feel. Lent's anticipating Easter. Advent is anticipating Christmas. But part of that anticipation is our need for redemption, right? Jesus, when we're getting ready to celebrate the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, we realize that, that we are sinners and we need to be redeemed. But that same theme is, is kind of latent within Advent as well. We need a deliverer. We need a deliverer because we're in captivity. We need to be rescued. We need to be saved because we're at risk. And that's, that's part of the theme. So those, those types of anticipations, like when you're waiting for deliverance or you're waiting for, you know, a Savior to come, can, can, can be filled with a fair, amount, a fair amount of anxiety. But the text that gets selected for these kind of Sundays at this time, start to break open. They start to come out of that, um, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness, to God forgives and I, and I receive it. Right. It comes, it comes out of I, I'm in need of something to I serve a God who is a provider. And that is expressed in a different color and it's expressed with this um, emotion of joy. Now, joy is difficult to, to get, really. Um, I, was, I was watching a documentary a few weeks ago, and uh, this one commentator was commenting on the TV series, which he said did so well at expressing joy. He said joy when you're writing or performing. Uh, it does remind me, uh, Gretchen referred to you all as, as an audience. That's because she's a playwright. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if you picked up about halfway through. She shifted to congregants. And she's like, oh, wait, I'm not at a play. <laughs> I'm at church. Right? So, yeah. So, um, we are all congregants. We're all members of the church. We're participants kind of in this. But writing, and I, and I, think, I think Gretchen, what we could ask her later, might, might agree with this. Joy is one of the hardest things to get right but it's one of the easiest things to kind of take for granted. That is when you have it, it's there, but you don't always realize it. But then when you don't have it, it's not the type of thing that you can just kind of snap your finger and get it back. So we can try and trick ourselves maybe. Uh, We can put out a bunch of balloons and everybody's like, oh, it's balloons. Who doesn't like balloons, right? And so you can have a pink or rose uh, balloon and you should take it with you today. Kind of remind you the rest of this week, hang it somewhere in your house. Don't, don't let it go outside. We're going to try and take care of the environment. But hang it somewhere in your house. You know, give it to a child. Watch their eyes light up. But I, I do believe that the experience of joy is directly related to our expectations. So that if you have a high expectation and it's not met then there's no joy. But if your expectation is exceeded, then joy comes kind of flooding in. So it's like when you go to a movie and you've heard about it and you've seen the preview <clears throat> and you think, oh man, that didn't really deliver. Like, mm, it was okay. No complaints really, but you know, it was a movie. But if you go and you, and you don't know what the story's gonna be, Or if you go and somehow it really kind of over delivers, it just kind of, you know, you're just kind of overcome with. Joy overflows. Like joy, I think, only exists in that state. It exists in the state of overflowing. There's not a sense of kind of like a half full joy. I'm half full of joy. (laughs) Nope, joy doesn't quite work that way. It overflows. Um, we're all familiar with these uh, TV commercials often where it shows a homecoming, like someone we didn't expect to see. A lot of these are sometimes shot with somebody kind of serving in the military, and they've come home, and they didn't expect to see them, and they show up, and you know everybody's kind of going crazy. You know that? You know that? I love those, right? You tear up a little bit, and you're like, oh, that's so great, and then you want to show somebody else, hey, watch this one. I mean, we've seen a thousand of them, right? Like, you all know what I'm talking about. Or sometimes it's not a person, it's like a pet, right? So for those of you who really relate to animals, you know, you see a dog going crazy who hasn't seen, some, you know, its caretaker for, I don't know, a year or more. That's joy, right? And part of what makes that joy is that <clears throat> there wasn't an expectation that they were going to experience it. It was the unexpected It was the way in which what happened exceeded the expectation, which I think is exactly what we get in Jesus. Jesus is more than what we anticipate. Jesus is more than what was expected. They expected God to do something, but what came was so much more than that. And this this gets expressed in our lives, I think, often, in ways that words um, can't really define. Maybe that's why the, the speaker in the documentary, the, the writer, was saying joy is so hard to get right. It's so easy to take for granted, but it's so hard to get right. Because to express joy, you have to do it with your, you know, your body language, with your face, with, with, you know, with tears, with, with laughter, with things that words can't quite get at. Um, I have something. It's a short. I want you to watch. There's no words, but you can see part of what I mean when I talk about joy. So, the dog's name, I believe, is Joy. The title of it was, uh, just in case uh, you couldn't read the Chinese script there, was Joy and the Heron. So, part of what I think makes that so adorable, so joyful, right, is that there's the whole turn in the story. Like we thought the, the bird, the heron, was just trying to eat, you know, the worms. It was like an easy meal. But then you realize, oh no, this is a mom trying to provide for her children. And you're like, oh, well that's, that's a different story, right? That's just how Joy responds. And so when the dog kind of puts those worms out there and you see that the kids are gonna get to eat, we're all like, oh, like that's nice. And we expect, I think, the story to end there. Like that, that was going to be the resolution. But there's that last additional turn where the mother bird kind of brings the fish, right? And now, you know, the, the, the man in the story, who is you know, kind of completely decentered, really, receives what what he needs, right? Which is the fish. So it's that kind of unanticipated turn or or where the expectation is really kind of exceeded. So the the passage that we heard this morning from Isaiah 61 is part of that section of Isaiah. We talked about it last week where um, Isaiah is speaking not to his contemporaries, but to those who are in exile. It's the earliest part of the Hebrew scriptures that talk about a Messiah or a Christ, a deliverer. Because prior to that, they didn't need one, right? God was God. God had promised that they would be a people, and they'd have a nation, and they'd have a temple. And they had all of those things, right? They they had everything they needed. And it wasn't until all of that was taken away that they had kind of a need for a deliverer. And so Isaiah, some hundred years before this happened, right, is prophesying about these events. And so last week, we we heard how that story begins, which is a voice is heard crying in the wilderness, prepare prepare the way of the Lord, which of course is what the gospels quote to talk about John the Baptist. This part, this is another part of that. And it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and the spirit has anointed me to, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set free those who are captive, to give sight to the blind. This is a passage of scripture that Jesus cites when he speaks uh, in Nazareth at the synagogue. And he's citing this kind of messianic expectation passage, right? He's he's saying that, and he sits down, and, and they're all looking at him, and they want him to kind of interpret what this means. And he says, today this is fulfilled. So he reads this passage about the Messiah, and then he goes... (laughs) Ta-da! <laughs> you know, here I am. This is what it looks like. And so that's about expectation. And so there is this expectation within, within Judaism that God would send a deliverer and that the that the deliverer would kind of make things right, right? He's going to give sight to the blind, he's going to deliver the captive, he's going to to give joy to those who suffer, who or who are sorrowful. And so that's what we're expecting. The gospel passage for today, which we didn't read, but the gospel passage for today is from Luke, and it's Mary's song, right, the Magnificant. Um, uh, My soul so magnifies the Lord, right? So that's an often quoted uh, part of Scripture, right? The Beatles, of course, made it popular in their own way with their song, uh, Let It Be, um, which I do, I like the song, the Beatles song, but then I think they also miss it. They kind of present Mary as kind of a passive recipient when she says, let it be. But I think she's more of an active receiver, right? She's not so passive in the thing because she, she lays it out. I mean, she's as much a prophet and how she sings that song, as Isaiah is when Isaiah prophesies what the Messiah will look like. She says, in her response to "You're going to have a baby," that the high and haughty will be brought down, and that the low and meek will be lifted up. Right. Her her response to the Annunciation matches what the prophet. Had said. And if we look at Jesus and his life, that's exactly the way Jesus lives. Jesus brings a gospel, a good news that uh, overturns the destructive um, structures and patterns in our lives. The haughty are brought down, the meek and lowly are brought up. Blessed are the poor, he'll say. Blessed are the meek, blessed are the mournful, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice, right? And when Jesus does those things, I mean, on the one hand, I think, well, yeah, he's fulfilling prophecy. He, he is the one that Isaiah spoke about. But on the other hand, it makes me think of his mom. And it makes me think of the way in which she must have taught him when he was little, right? Jesus grows up to be exactly who Mary sung about when the angel announced to her that you're going to have a child. He turns out to be the one who will provide joy. Joy that is provided because he turns out to be so much more than what was expected. It's that additional kind of turn, like in the story of Joy and Haran the story of Jesus comes, and Jesus doesn't just come to kind of vanquish our enemies, which would have been great in and of itself. But Jesus comes, and he vanquishes even within us those things that are uh, ungodly. right? He doesn't just deal with evil out there somewhere. He deals with it in here, in our own hearts, our own greed, and our own selfishness selfishness, and our egotism, and the way in which we might kind of judge others. He comes and he delivers us from ourselves, and he delivers us from evil. He comes and he restores. He comes and he becomes not just the king of the Jews, but he becomes the, the king of the world. And this, this is joy. <clears throat> and this again, it's not the kind of thing that I think you can just manufacture. Um, there's there's ways in which different philosophies have tried to do this, right? So the old Greek Stoics would say this: <clears throat> it's it's better not to really um, want anything. Like if you if you want to have a happy life, then don't want for much. <laughs> you know, if if you can always be pleased if your expectations are low. And so you can try and trick yourself, maybe, right? You can say, well, yeah, I'll go to the movie, but I don't think it's going to be very good, right? In hopes that somehow, you know, psychologically, you're playing this trick on yourself so that you might end up liking it more than you, than you do. But our psyches are more complex than that, and they're not so easily fooled. Joy, I think, is truly a gift. But I do think this, while it's hard... And almost impossible to kind of generate joy in ourselves. I do think it's possible to generate joy for someone else. That is, I think you can be an agent of joy for someone far easier than you can try and just simply be joyful. Like, let's all try and be joyful now. Go. Right? It's, It's not so easy. But... If you follow the lead of the Spirit, if, if you are kind of um, a humble and, and giving and serving person, you'll find yourself being used by God to make others joyful. You see, back to the film, the dog didn't just make himself joyful. But the dog providing the worms for the mom who's trying to feed her children makes the, makes the heron joyful. Joy, as she is called, becomes joy, but becomes it for someone else. And in the act of serving the bird, the bird reciprocates so that even the owner of the dog is now joyful, right? So joy becomes her namesake, not because she's made herself joyful, but in her acts and then in the the um, repercussions of those acts, Others become joyful around her. And I think that's what the Christian life is like. Like, in the same way that we said on on the week with hope, I want you to become the very shape of hope in someone else's life. I think you can become the agency of joy in someone else's life. You can do this in a variety of ways. You can do it in a random act of kindness. The next time you're in a drive-through at Starbucks or what have you, why don't you pick up the bill for yourself and the bill for the car behind you? I'd love to see if that would cause a chain reaction. If the next person just picked up the bill for the person behind them and so on and so forth. Send a card. Do you know what cards are? This is before email. It's when you use like a writing utensil. (laughs) right? And you put it in the mail, like the regular mail, not the email, right? Um, At this time, I think we really need to express it because one of the ways we express this typically is we smile. But you could all be smiling at me right now and I wouldn't know because your faces are covered. So when you're having to wear a mask when you're out and about, you need to kind of, put some words that maybe typically you wouldn't. So if you're at the grocery store, right, and you're doing your best to kind of stay physically distanced and you're wearing your mask, you might just say, you know, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, right? Uh, Offer someone else some joy. Now, you might think, well, that's not doing much, but you also might not know what that person's going through. I mean, it's possible that no one else has spoken to that person that day. And so, it's in these what seem like otherwise small things that God takes and lifts up and makes them holy. It's exactly what I think happens at the table. Look, a little bit of bread, a little bit of wine, that's a small thing. This what little bit we have here, this little wafer that we're using during covid as opposed to our typical gluten-free cracker that snaps so loud, right? Like that's that's a little thing. But God takes little things and he makes them into wonderful things. He makes them into transforming things. Right? And so my my word for you today is for you to be faithful in your lives. So that when the opportunities arise, you could be the agent of joy for someone else. In the same way that Christ is the agent of joy for all of us. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.